Today is Colossian part 10, <laughs> believe it or not. You know, um, I, I know that uh, Colossian is only four chapters, and uh, I didn't expect it to have such a long Colossian studies. But, you know, once you get into the Word of God, you see revelation coming up. And so, you know, you want to keep digging in deeper and deeper. Anyway, last week, we uh, spoke about um, the spiritual discipline, started talking about the spiritual discipline, not religious, not law abide, not law observing, but spiritual spiritual discipline that uh, Paul is encouraging us. And I really encourage you, if you, haven't, if you haven't listened to the sermons for the past nine weeks and so forth, just go back and review it because it's going to be very helpful uh, because you need to understand the difference between observing laws and rules and traditions and having spiritual discipline. But anyways, we started talking about spiritual discipline last week. Actually, it's not only last week. A few weeks ago when we were taking communion, we spoke out of one of the spiritual discipline is having joy. You need to have joy. Joy is a decision. Joy is not an emotion. So you want to make a decision to be joyful, to put a smile on your face, to put us to, to have that joyful heart. That's a decision you have to make even on a daily basis that I'm going to be joyful in spite of my environment. So, and then last week we started talking about uh, chapter three of verse one. Just go to it. Colossians chapter three, verse one. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says that if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. That's another discipline here. Seek the things that are above. How do we do that? Well, he explains later where, it's, it's, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above. Now, the word minds is translated as affections in the King James Version and both are pretty correct because, you know, affection is that when you have an affection on something, you're going to keep thinking about it. You know, some of you remember when you first fell in love, you know, you say, I never fell in love before. Well, I pray to God, uh, open opportunity for you to fall in love. You know, you fall in love. And you fall in love with somebody, you know, you're, you're having such an affection. And so you keep thinking about this somebody. Some of you will just, just have such an affection of your job. And so you th keep thinking about your job and, and, you know, have affection for your Car, your nice little vehicle that you just got. You, know, you keep thinking about this nice Porsche you have or, you know, nice uh, whatever vehicle you have. You know, you think about it day and night. You have an affection on it. That's why you're setting your mind on. So the Bible says that we ought to set our affection or our mind on the things above. What is that? Anyways, well, let's read on. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ, verse 3, in God. And uh, verse 4, I don't think they have it. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So the question is, if we're going to seek or have an affection on the things above, we're going to ask ourselves these two questions. Number one is, what is it that we seek? And number two is, where do we find that? And uh, so number one, what is secret? There are many obvious ones that you heard me talk about it quickly last week. It's like worship, you know, his word, you know, and uh, his house, you know. Uh, that's why, you know, uh, uh, there, there, there are many Christians feel that worship, the word of God, his house is a drag. Because why? Because they think it's something that they need to do to please a God, an institution, a person, or God himself, you know. But if, if you have an affection 
It's not something that you feel like is a drag. So when you have an affection, say, you know, start a dating, you have an affection on this, on this gal, you know, some of the guys, right? You can't wait to, to go and take her out for, for dinner. It's not a drag for you, right? And so you have an affection. So have an affection on the things above, including worship. Worship connects you better with the, hev- with, with the heavenly things and, and, uh, and, and the word of God, of course. And you come on Sunday, uh, we are just like a tools for you to encourage you to worship and praise. There's a dynamic in this place that you can't find just doing on your own. While yes, God is everywhere, but there's a dynamic in this place that, that you can't find doing it at home. And that's why uh, David, the, psalm, the psalmist, you know, the king said that there's one thing that I desire, the things which I seek earnestly is what? Is to dwell in the house of God all the days of my life. Why? Is to behold his beauty. Some can't, some can't see it. I'm going to teach you how you can see it, okay? Behold his beauty and to inquire in his temple. You and I need to begin to fall in love, in other words, with the presence of God, with the word of God, with his house, you know, the doing and the workings of, of, of God in his house, affairs in his kingdom. That's another thing that, that you want to set your affection on, the things in the kingdom of God. It's not just you, your success, your career, but the things that are in the kingdom of God you want to set the affection on. You know, I love setting my affection on his working. You know, I love listening about revival, talking about revival. You know, I was just watching this video again this week by Carmen, you know, having this revival of desire to just listen to Carmen, you know. I don't know if some of you remember who he is, you know. Carmen is this guy in the 80s, you know, and really, really cool guy, you know, and just, just have some amazing music. But anyways, had this video about revival, and I watched it over and over again, and I love the idea of revival because revival changes society. Revival in the old days, some revival closes bars down, you know. A lot of people are just protesting, getting involved in politics. I'm not saying it's wrong, but what I'm saying is that the more, the more, most effective way is not through politics, it's through the move of God. And so when God is moving, people will lose the desire for the worldly things and begin to get attracted more to the presence of God. And that's why I love a revival, you know? You can protest all you want, but nothing works more powerfully than the move of God. And so these are the things that you and I need to set our affection on. I learn about it, I read about it, I got books about it, and libraries of books about it in my, in, my, in, my, in my office because I love talking about revival. That's some of the things that you and I want to set our affection on. And so, um, but, but have you ever set your affection on heaven? You say, well, I, I don't know what heaven is. Well, most of the things of God you don't see. And most of the things of God requires that you know, know in the Bible, watch this now, then use your imagination. Imagination, imagination is very powerful. That's how faith works. You see, imagination helps you to set your affection on things that you can't see physically. Imagination is very important. I'm going to talk more about it when I go to the next point. What I'm talking about is what is it that we set affection on? And what all that I have said to you, they are, most of them are quite invisible, with the exception of church ministry, the move of God, but many things that is in the Bible, any, everything that is above is invisible. So you need the imagination. Let's take, for example, salvation. You become a Christian. Why? Somebody says something to you. You heard it, 
and you have you form a pictures in your head what it's like to be a Christian, to be born again. You you have an idea. That's a picture, and that stirs up a faith in you. Their words, the preaching of the gospel is so important, right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. You, you somebody preach to you a, 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 a faith word, and you hear it. Your imagination needs to start working. Then you respond to the imagination, and you, what you begin to proclaim. You need to use your mouth, the authorities in your mouth, to proclaim what it is that has been said to you that you've imagined, and then miracle is going to start take place. That's how you 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 set affection on the things above is using imagination, right? Because they're invisible. Check this out. Where do you find the the, the things above? And there are many places you can find the things that are above that you can set your affection on. But the the main place, really, is in the place of the invisible. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17 tells us this. Paul is providing comfort to the church in his time in Corinth because they were suffering, they were being persecuted. And they can't see Jesus, God, the promises of God. They can't see, oops, look at that. They can't see a lot of things that faith requires them to see. So this is what Paul was saying. This is how faith works. For the light, the light momentary affliction, and all of us have affliction, nothing compared to the suffering Christians in the persecuted world, but we all have affliction nonetheless. I'm not belittling that. For this like momentary affliction is preparing us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Verse 18. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient temporarily, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The Word of God tells us that if we want to pursue the things that are above and set things that are, uh, set our affection on the things above, we set our things above in the unseen world. The unseen world is the place where human throughout history has the most difficulty to set the affection on. Even in the Old Testament, you remember, God is calling the people of Israel to pursue him, to love him. You know, there are more spaces over here, guys. There's more spaces. If you run out of space over there, you know, to set affection on them. And the people of Israel couldn't do it. Why? They, they could see the thunder. They could see Moses telling them that God has saw them. But they had a tough time to imagine this God. And so what did they do? They set up idols because that would be easier. See, we love to associate with things that we can see. We find it very difficult to associate with things that we can't see. We have problem with. And so what did they do? The people in the Old Testament, they created idols. And because they haven't seen God, guess what? They created the false image of God. And that's why God didn't want them to worship idols. But human, as a human nature, not only Israel, but throughout all the culture in the Middle East, to all the culture in Asia, Europe, everywhere, North, South America, every individual society has the history of setting up some kind of idols that they can look at, they can worship around. Why we need something, we need to see something. And also in the old days when the Holy Spirit hasn't come yet, 
which means there's really no connection. It made it more difficult. So that's why God used law to try to guide the people of Israel to love him. But that wouldn't work. But that days are the days when humanity is at its infancy in terms of its age. But because the time has fulfilled, God has sent his son. Now we're in the age of maturity, the Bible says. We no longer need the laws. Why? Now you can actually, actually being able to touch heavens in the spirit through faith. And the way that faith works is it works in the invisible using your imagination. But make no mistake, the place of invisibility are the powerful place. You know, invisible is always, the invisible is always superior to the visible. In fact, it is the invisible that created the visible. Just think about it. This whole universe that you know of, you know, all those universe, you know, it's all physical. It's all you'll be able to see with telescope, with whatever, from, from here, from the most microscopic, you know, creature of an atom, all the way to the universe. They're all physical, and you can see it. All this was created from the invisible world. God was invisible, so he created all the things that are invisible. Hebrews, you know, uh, chapter 11, verse 13 tells us it is that it is, it is the invisible God that created the things that is visible. How did he create it? Well, he created by speaking it into being. Romans chapter 4, verse 17, you know, if you can go to Romans, it says that he calls, God calls into existence the things that do not exist. That's how he created things, and that's how faith works. You want to create something in the faith realm, you need to call things that are not as though they were. So the process, like I say, on salvation, is the Word of God's being told to you, and then you use your imagination, and you call the things into being. The world that we know it today, the physical existence we know it today, God had imagined how it was going to look like first. And then he called it into being. He didn't need faith because he's faith himself. He, he always remained faithful. He's faith himself. And he called things into being. You want something to work for you in the spiritual world and call what is in the spiritual, like healing, like provision, like a healthy relationship, having victory over spiritual warfare. All that requires that, number one, you hear the word of God to stir up your faith. How? So you can, it'll, it'll cause you to begin to imagine how the work of God is doing and then you begin to confess it so like salvation you need to do the same thing for healing some of you are struggling with your health you need to begin to start using your imagination turn to your neighbor and say imagination you need to start using imagine how you do that well you first go to the word of God and the word of God says for example you're healed well you need to start imagining that you're healed because what you see every day is physical you see yourself limping along, you know, or you feel pain in your body, you know, and then you see, or, or you want your children to be healed, you know, you, you look at your children every day, it's very discouraging. How do you overcome that? You begin to use your imagination. You begin to use the word of God, says, well, my child is healed, or I am healed. You begin to imagine that you're healed. Use your imagination. Or provision, some of you need provision. You need to use your imagination that, you know, when you, you, know, when you see your credit card bills come in, you know, it's zero. Hallelujah. Don't you, don't you, you know, this COVID-19, uh, many often I see credit card bills zero because there's no opportunity to spend any money. 
until I discovered the power of Amazon, then, then things change. But you know, like zero to see zero. You use imagination. Imagination, you can walk. Imagination that you have a good spouse. Imagination, you have good children. God always gives you imagination. Sometimes through dreams and vision. You know, I was talking to one of the, one of the, one of the Christian, 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 you know, one of the mother of a person who just got married last weekend. She was telling me that she saw Jesus in her dream. And Jesus said to her, I'm your shepherd. That's a picture that has been displayed that is involuntarily but you can do something voluntarily by imagining about Jesus his promises and so forth not only that but you need to confess it you know God used his word to call the things that are not as though they were to bring into existence and being confessed confess what is it that you are imagining through the Word of God. Don't imagine things outside the Word of God. Then you're on your own. You want to imagine what's in the Word of God. That's why you want to fall in love with this Word because there are all kinds of promises in you and you read the Word and you go, okay, I can imagine this. I was telling the first service, I love to imagine about heaven. You know, there are people that wrote about books, about heaven, I saw Revelation and so forth. But try to be bold, to imagine things that have never been said before. You say, I don't want to imagine outside the will of God. Well, you have the Holy Spirit in you, don't you? Besides that, even if you imagine it wrong, God is going to strike you in thunder. He's gracious. He's awesome. He loves you so much. He probably helped you to correct your imagination. Set your things and your affection on the things above requires that you have imagination, including all the things of God. But, you know, even in our world, for those who are not Christians, it is the invisible that created the visible. Let's, say, let's take some of the invention like light bulbs or piano, all this thing that you see visibly. They, somebody thought about it. That was invisible. They imagine it, and it comes to being. This, this physical house, this physical building, somebody had imagined this before they could build it. Are you here this morning? You know, I, I love, I have, you know, many of you know that I started this church, you know. I, you know, this is one of the hardest things I've ever done. It's full of sorrow and headaches half the time. I think more, more, more uh, you know, especially in the early, early day, most of the times, you know, every Monday I want to quit. It's like, I can't, I can't do this anymore, you know, very disappointed. But I would do it again and again and again because there's such a joy to be used by God to bring something that was not there to existence. We're sitting here because God gave me a vision and I love entrepreneur. If you're an entrepreneur, you're a business person, you know, I, I just want to keep encouraging you to use that imagination. God has given you amazing creative ideas. Don't just bury them. Use them because miracles can happen when you use your imagination. So the invisible is very, very powerful. So where do you find the things that are above in the invisible? How do you do it? Sometimes, you know, yes, using imagination based on the Word of God. Are you here this morning? So if you, you know, if I wrote here, if you, keep, if you keep having your eyes on the things that are on earth, you'll be miserable because things on earth mostly are miserable. Have you read the news lately, right? every page you know newspaper media they thrive on controversy and bad news that's how they make money they can't make money telling you good news nobody wants to hear good news right they want stories they want exciting stories you know we you know i'll tell you this most people 
glued to the television during the first Iraqi war. It was so bad that I would not even study my final exam, and I flunked that year, and I got a GPA of almost close to zero. Why? Because I was glued to the TV on this Iraqi wars. We love controversy. It's all bad news. They thrive on it. So if you want to set your mind on the things above and affection on the things above, the TV probably will be the last place you want to go. Besides that, they created all kinds of movies and shows that are very, very negative. Set your affection on the things above. Now I'll tell you something else. You know, um, so it says that if you keep your eyes on the things that are on earth, that are visible, you probably will not go very far. That's why the devil is using all the tricks and the bling-blings to distract believers to stay on the visible things that are on earth. That's why the enemy of your soul wants you to keep your eyes on earth. When I, I want to encourage you, take some time off. You know, I always say to my daughter, stop daydreaming, right? But I should actually say, stop daydreaming about the things of the world. Start daydreaming and imagining of the things of God. Because you can go very far. Go ahead and daydream and imagine the goodness of God, the glory of God, the heavenlies. But anyways, those who are in the visible will not go very far because they will not invent anything. They will not hear from God about anything. They will not see any miracles. You, on the other hand, are a child of God, and you have been given the tools, and go ahead and begin to imagine. Use your imagination on the invisible things. Well, where else can you find the things that is of God, the things that are above? How do you set your affection? I'll tell you something else. Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15. It says, this is what God says, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, so high, so beyond the physical world. But he created a shortcut. Also with him who is of a contrite and a lowly spirit for, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Do you know where else you can find the things of God and the presence of God, even God himself? It's a contrite heart. It's a broken spirit. You can create that in you that God can come. How many remember the movie called Event Horizon? Some of you older can remember. I think it's in the 80s. You know, uh, um, Event Horizon is a science fiction movie. And Event Horizon is basically their theory is that they want to travel um, billions of light years away from Earth to some spot in some far, far away galaxy. Either they have the spaceship that can travel a 10, 10 million times faster. I'm, I'm just giving an exaggerated number. Um, faster than the light so that they can actually travel from one spot to the spot they want to go to within their lifetime. So that's one way. That's a linear traveling, right? And in, in the movie, they had this theory that there's a shortcut. The shortcut is that if you can scientifically follow the universe, so if you go from point A, you want to go to point B, and there are billions of lights your way, and if you can follow the universe for a brief moment and you pass through it, then it would be just a second. So now point A and point B are just side by side. Boom, and then you open up the universe again. That's an amazing theory, right? That's a shortcut. You know, God has created, you know, the heavenlies is so far away, yet it could be so close. That's a shortcut. The, the presence of God can be found in those who are broken, 
and a contrite spirit. I'm praying to God that this church is full of people that are broken and humble. You know why? Because that is the place where God dwells. Can you imagine all of us coming, carrying the presence of God? We're going to supercharge each other every single service. You know, when I was young, I grew up in a pastor's home, right? You know what I love about, uh, one of the things I love about growing up in the pastor's home is, is, um, is we have many, many pastors that my mom and dad had invited to the church. And um, there are so many of them that I just love being in their presence. It's not because they could articulate well. It's not because they're handsome. I mean, I'm sure they were, but that wasn't what attracted me to them. It's because all these men of God with such amazing power. Some guys can move in signs and wonders. But when you're close to them, you know, being a pastor child, we have a privilege of eating with the pastors, this men of God, you know, they're so awesome. But we get to hang out and have dinner with them and see their human side, if you may. And most of these men of God that I admire deeply is that when they're not preaching, they are so down to earth. They're so broken. They're so humble. I was attracted to them. I didn't know why. I understand it later. It's because the presence of God is in them. You see, when you are broken, I said it before, God is attracted to broken spirit and contrite spirit. He's attracted to it. And when God is attracted to those broken spirits and the spirit of God is in you, that spirit attracts other people to you. You could be the ugliest guy, but you could be so popular if you've learned how to be so broken and humble. Why? It's not the brokenness that attracts people. It's the brokenness that attracts the presence of God that attracts people. Set your mind, set your affection on the things above. They could be found in broken people. Are you one of those broken people that have the presence of God with you, that people will chase after you? The third place, the third things that we are to set our affection, uh, the third place you can find the, the, the things of God, I mentioned briefly in the introduction, is really in the house of God. You know, in the house of God, most of the things we do, hopefully, are the things of the above, like the worship. We worship God, and we study the Word of God. Even as I speak now, you sense the presence of God. That's why many of you have decided to come even in the middle of rain. You took a bus, you walk, and, and you took a car, you drove here. You desire the presence of God. Even when the whole world is worried about COVID-19 and whatnot, here you are sitting in this place, you know, all of you from here to the balcony, you know, you practicing social distancing. I'm grateful for that, but you're here because you are attracted to the presence of God, and you know that in the house of God, in the house of God, there's so much joy and so much goodness. My quarter earlier, David the psalmist say, one thing that I desire, the things which I seek earnestly, is to dwell in the house of God all the days of my life, to behold his beauty, to inquire in his temple. That's the house of God, and that's where you can find the place of God, the things of God. Well, anyways, so, so 
First discipline we, I mentioned is joy. There's a lot of spiritual discipline. Second discipline is to seek the things or set your affection on the things above. Now, verse 5 is another uh, principle or discipline, spiritual discipline that you and I want to have to have live in victory. Again, it's not about uh, observing laws. So this is the ones that many of you have heard before, verse 5, put to death. In other words, give no opportunity to feed it with your eyes. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality. So don't look at all those dirty movies, dirty pictures. They stir something in you. Impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness. One things that you don't need. I'm not here to condemn you. Covetousness, you know, um, which is idolatry, right? Physical stuff. I keep kidding, kicking things. You know, I always tell people, you know, don't feed it. Whatever it is you're struggling, don't feed it. If you struggle with covetousness, don't feed it by going to do window shopping. Then you will surely come up with something. Right? I have that problem. And that's why I don't go shopping most of the time. Only when I'm on vacation that my wife would insist that we go to those uh, outlet mall. So I go once a year. So every single time you see a new pair of shoes, new pair of pants, it's because we just came back from vacation. <laughs> I've been invited to go shopping. And you know, she shop, of course I'll do my thing, she does her thing, and when we finish, she had two bags, I have 20 bags. <laughs> right? Because why? I was feeding my eyes with things that I don't need, and I went and bought it. And because of that problem, I don't shop most of the time. So don't feed whatever that he's telling you to avoid, right? There are a lot of things to feed on these days with the media. You know, do not lie to one another. That's another spiritual discipline, right? Seeing that you have put off the old self with his practices. Oh, sorry, verse 6. On the account of this, the wrath of God is coming. In this, you two ones walk and you, when, yeah, when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger. Now, on top of all, all, everything that we say, anger, wrath, slander, obscene talk from your mouth, you know, cussing and so forth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put up the old self and its practices. You know, in the old days, we tell people, you want to live in holiness? This is... Oh, we do it again. This is how religious people do it. You don't do this. You don't do that. You don't do, you know, just don't, 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 don't. And, you know, if you're struggling with, say, lust or pornography, don't, don't watch this, don't watch that. And, and that is half true. But, you know, we all learned this from all these experiences in the 80s and the 90s, you know, the don'ts and don'ts and don'ts. And, and people had tried it, and it may work for them maybe six months, a year, even five years, and then they trip and they fall. What happened? They find themselves now in worse conditions than they were in their addictions, in their struggles. Why? Because Jesus explained it in Matthew chapter 12, verse 45. He was talking about the evil spirit that's being cast out. The demons, whatever vices that you're struggling and contending with being cast out. Once it's cast out, it goes to the dry places, and then it will come back and visit the place where it's been cast out, where you have gotten rid of, in the name of Jesus, all those spirits that you're struggling with. And he'll look at the room, he go, oh, so clean. And what does he do? He comes back, not by himself, but with seven more Wicked spirits. That's why you'll find yourself struggling more if you don't fill up with something. 
And so this is what you do. Once you put off the old self, you need to put on the new self, right? Being renewed in the knowledge after the image of his creator. How? Well, we see that in verse 12. So, so let's continue verse 11. There is not, not Greek, a Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythians, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. So uh, what is it that you need to put on? You and I need to put on compassion hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If one has complained against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so, so you also must forgive and above all things put on love which binds everything together so this is what you and i need to put on rather than put on new rules on yourself fill your heart with compassion fill your heart with love and patience get involved in being compassionate Fill your time with the things that are above. Humility and meekness and patience, bearing one another, bearing with one another. And, and above all things, put on love. That's all you ought to do. That's another spiritual disciplines, right? And watch this. In verse 15, there's something else you can do. Is let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, into which indeed you will call in one body and be thankful. Peace, we talk about this, you know. We use this scripture to talk about making decision. Every time there's a check in your heart, there's no peace, you don't make those decisions. You let the peace of God reign, rule, and give you signals. But not only that, being peaceful with one another in the body of Christ. There be no contention, no struggle, no animosity. You know, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemaker, for they shall be called what? The children of God, the sons of God, make peace a priority in your life. And whatever you do, let the word of God dwell in you richly. How? This is what you need to do. The best way is to teach, admonish one another in all wisdoms, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You know, how many of you have been a Christian for less than a year? Raise your hand. You've been baptized for less than a year. Come on, raise your hand. I just, I just baptized quite a few people last week. Raise your hand, right? Let's see, right? Now, how many of you have been baptized less than five years? Right? See, I baptized you guys. Praise God, right? I want to talk to you, and I want to talk to the people who have been baptized for 20 500 years, 25 years, 30 years, right? Listen, the best way for you to grow, and some of you listening online, you got to listen to this. The best way for you to grow is not being an audience. The best way for you to grow in the spirit, in your spiritual faith, is not being an audience all the time. Knowledge puffs up. It's no good to keep learning, ever learning, ever listening, and never learning. It's no good to just be an audience. This is how you grow, is to teach, admonish one another in our wisdom. You can't do that just, 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 you know, being on your own. You need to get engaged in small groups. And we're starting small groups in October. You need to get engaged. Now, listen to me. When you're in small groups, please do not be an audience either. 
You grow the most when you get involved in teaching and admonishing one another. You say, I know very little. Listen, man, I remember when I first became the youth pastor. I haven't even gone to Bible school of any sorts yet. Just doing it on the fly, by faith, shaka, you know. I probably knew less than many of the people that I tried to pastor to. I remember, you know, I couldn't even, I couldn't even have the discipline to read every single chapter once a week. Once a week. I wasn't in my spiritual top shape, but I, I just thought, okay, I was being called to do it. I could talk, you know, have the gift of the gap, you know, tip, 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 tip. So I started pastoring. That's when I just grew exponentially. You know why? Because those of us who teach, we are more accountable. More is demanded of us to be accountable. And so what it makes me do is to be more diligent with the word. I was forced to grow. You want to grow? Stop being an audience. Start being a disciple maker. When you're in a small group, man, that gives you all kinds of opportunity. You know, your small leader say something, and, and just don't sit there and be an audience. Participate, man. Argue with the love of Jesus, of course. You know, just, just, just bring ideas to the table. Admonish one another. I don't have anything to admonish. Well, maybe you should study a little bit before you go to small groups. Don't argue. Don't argue. Don't get in a heated exchange. But admonish one another. Teach one another. That's how you grow. You can sit there and be in an audience forever and never grow an inch. All you have is just knowledge. But knowledge puffs up. It's useless. What you want to do is admonish, to teach. Amen? That's how you have spiritual discipline to grow. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 teaches us that we have all been given freedom. Freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh to indulge in, the, in flesh or to be lazy or just do nothing. That's not the reason why God had given you freedom. He didn't give you freedom for you. He gave you freedom so that you can be an amazing manifestation of his glory. You're not under any rules. You're not under any restriction. You're free now. Free to do what? Free to manifest his glory. And what I have shared just now are some of the steps that you can manifest his glory.